When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. All right, back and better than ever. Greeny, as we roll along here, presented by Progressive Insurance. We come to you live from above the Heineken River Deck at Pier 17 at all times. And as we get into a little basketball conversation here, our friends at AutoZone ask us to pick a player or a team that was in the zone last night. I'm going to give you two players who were in the zone last night. Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving, they are looking dangerous together right now. The stat you gave me this morning, Hembo, I believe, was the two of them combined for 100 points last night when you put together their points and assists. Do I have that right? You have that right, and that is only the second most impressive stat that I gave you this morning about those guys. What's the most? Did you hear the Luka stat that Tim Legler used on Get Up? That was the one about that he was ahead of Tiny Archibald? This is amazing to me. Luka Doncic right now is averaging 57.4 points per game plus assists per game. He's creating 57.4 points per game. That would be the highest single-season average in the history of the NBA. Again, he's at 57.4. In 1973, Tiny Archibald, the year he led the league in points and assists, produced 56.7. In other words, Luka Doncic, by at least that standard of measure— is having the most prolific offensive season in NBA history. He is very much in the zone. Get in the zone brought to you by AutoZone. Uh, get in the zone with AutoZone. With that said, I have my green list today. The list is what determines who matters in this business. The green list. And my list is my top five people, not players, but people who are under the most pressure as the NBA goes down its stretch and heads into the playoffs. And I specifically say people because one of them is not a player number five number five is anthony davis because he's anthony davis and and because we all know that the lakers will go as far as he takes them we all count on lebron to be outstanding anthony davis and i was there last year for that whole playoff run into the western conference finals it was remarkable the degree to which he was great every other game and non-existent on the others it was like even odd even odd Uh, And this was the game that Davis was going to be great. And this was the game that it was going to be terrible. And they got themselves fortunate with sort of a nice path through those Western Conference playoffs. And they made it all the way to the conference final before they got steamrolled in a sweep by Denver. If Anthony Davis plays big most nights and he's been healthy all year, could I see the Lakers doing something similar? Playing their way out of the play-in, winning a round or two, getting to a conference final? I certainly think it's possible. I think there's one more data, pan, uh, data point to consider, and that's the fact that LeBron James can opt out and make himself a free agent for the first time since 2018. So I think in some sense, Anthony Davis's play and how well he shows in the playoffs could actually inform the future of LeBron James, which is a much bigger topic, but I think AD has a, as much a say in that as practically anyone not named LeBron James. No, I think that's exactly right. By the way, tomorrow night we'll have Nick Celtics presented by Indeed. 8 Eastern on most of these ESPN radio stations. Five people under the most pressure. Number four. Number four, I'm going to go Zion Williamson. 
And you may say to yourself, well, why is Zion? Well, if you're not paying any attention, his team is good. They continue to win. When he's on the floor, they're very tough to beat. And do you know how many NBA playoff games Zion Williamson has played in in his career? Zero. The last postseason game he played in was March Madness at Duke. How long ago does that feel? So is Zion Williamson ready to become something beyond just an NBA legend? Is he ready to become an actual star player? Like, he's an incredibly famous person, but all of that is based on what he did and what he might be, not ever what he is. Can he actually, for a change, make it about his own game? Can he become an NBA star? He's already an NBA superstar. He's one of the few people have ever who have become a superstar without becoming a star. Can he do it? I think the pressure is on. He's played 45 games a season and missed only 11. Uh, I use the word only there, of course, because it is Zion Williamson we're talking about. He's averaging 18 points a game in the paint. Only Giannis is averaging more. You're going to start hearing the term point Zion be used a lot more. He has been deadly when he initiates that offense. The Pelicans, to me, are going to be a live player to reach the Western Conference Finals so long as Zion is Zion. He's, his, his build is so unusual. I mean... There's just no way to look at him and think he is in peak physical condition. There's just no way to look at it. I, I, I don't mean to be inappropriate in the age in which we live, but it is reasonable to assess the condition that you believe a professional athlete is in. And there's no way you look at him and you say, oh, yeah, he is in the absolute best shape he could be in. And he's the perfect example of a player who is in his prime early. Like Zion Williamson has his best chance to do damage right now. He's not going to be a player that ages well because he does not have the body to do it. It's much too high maintenance. The Pelicans and Zion have to get this thing right now. I think that's exactly right. Top five people under the most pressure. Number three. Uh, Number three is Jason Tatum. So Tatum was talking about being the next face of the league. I don't think that's so outlandish. He is certainly one of the best players. He is certainly a candidate for MVP. He's on the best team. So go ahead, Jason Tatum. Lead them to a championship, which... You've been unable to do two years ago, a tough loss in the final last year, an inexcusable Game 7 no-show in the conference final at home against Miami. Be the star, take your team to a championship, and you have a chance to be the face of the league. Get knocked out early somewhere along the way. Your coach is going to get fired, and the questions will be louder than they've ever been. I think there's a lot of pressure on Jason Tatum. So do I. The path for the Celtics is much clearer than I would have thought. Right now, I'm looking at our basketball power index, which projects these things out. We say that the Celtics have a 49.6% chance to reach the NBA Finals, which means the field has a 50.4% chance. In other words, it is basically a Celtics versus the field in the East. The floodgates have opened. Joel Embiid is hurt. The Bucks are having all sorts of issues with, with Doc Rivers, and there are other teams, obviously, with other issues. This is their best chance to get there for sure. And if they do, they'll be favored over whoever comes out of the West, I think. I think that the team people are going to say is their biggest threat in the East is the Knicks. Now, I'd love for that to be right. I love what the Knicks are doing. I think their season has been a delight to watch. They're an easy team to root for, and they're good. But I think there are teams that have... The Knicks are a team with a very high floor, but not that high a ceiling. The Knicks, one of the reasons they win so often and play so well is because they're deep and they play hard every night. Not every team does either of those things. The Celtics are also deep, and I think they have another gear they're capable of kicking it into in the playoffs. 
Uh, do the Knicks? I, I love Jalen Brunson. He's magnificent, and they're going to need Julius Randle back healthy. But Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Porzingis. I've been the biggest fan of Drew Holiday since the minute he set foot in that league. I just think the Celtics are too good for that. They've got the best starting five in the league. I'll say this. Don't sleep on Cleveland. If there's going to be a team that crashes the party, don't be surprised if it's the Cavs giving them a hard time in the Eastern Conference Finals. They've been really good all year. Uh, NBA action this weekend. I told you about the Saturday night game. We also have Sixers-Bucks on Sunday, presented by Embiid. Coverage 1230 Eastern on most of these ESPN radio stations. Number two. Number two person under the most pressure is Kevin Durant. Now, Stephen A. disagreed with this on TV. I had him on Get Up this morning, and he and I talked about it, and he disagreed. I'll make my case. Kevin Durant needs to win a championship, or he will always be remembered just for the two in Golden State. And I am firmly a believer that a championship in Phoenix, or a championship in Brooklyn had he won one, or a championship in Oklahoma City would have been worth more than both of the ones he won in Golden State. I think the one championship Giannis won in Milwaukee is worth more than both of the championships Kevin Durant won in Golden State. You're free to disagree. Many people do, but it's an opinion I'm not changing. And he's got a shot to do it. But here's the problem. If you're looking at the permanent record of Kevin Durant, if there is a real criticism, I don't criticize him for leaving Oklahoma City to go to Golden State. He had the option, he had the option to do it. He saw it, an, an opportunity to do something special, and it worked. They won titles. The real demerit on his permanent record is Brooklyn choosing to join up with those guys. And so you now you have the failed Brooklyn trio. Harden's team looks really good in L.A. Kyrie's team looks really good in Dallas. And KD's team is very interesting in Phoenix. If we're living in a world where KD's team winds up in the play-in and they get knocked out, and suddenly you've got either Kyrie or Harden or both making a deep playoff run in the West, what are we going to say? Yeah, so since Kevin Durant has left Golden State, he has personally won two playoff series. Two. He left Golden State after the 2019 season. The Warriors have since won five, including a championship. They re-cemented their place as a dynasty. Not to mention the fact that he forced his way to Phoenix, a team that's carrying a $67 million luxury tax bill, so that they can advance past the conference semifinals, which is all they were able to do last year. Kevin Durant's 35 years old. There's not a whole lot more bites at the apple he's going to get. And the West, I think, collectively this year, at least from the top, is a little weaker than we otherwise would have thought. I do think that he's worth being on the top five of this list. Yeah, so, I mean, the top is... Are we putting Minnesota there? I mean, are we just not taking them seriously? I'm taking them seriously, but I would also be surprised if they got all the way to the finals. I mean, that's a franchise that has advanced past... The Western Conference yeah, Finals? Yes, I should have said Western Conference Finals. I mean, that's a franchise that has advanced past the first round once in their history. Once! Denver? Denver's always going to be live, but this is the worst offense that they've had since Jokic came into the league. Since Jokic's first year. This Clippers? Is their, the Clippers are the team that I'm, that I'm most scared of if I'm, if I'm Phoenix. But the idea of all four of those guys, you know, pulling on the same on the rope as hard as each other and being healthy by the end seems a little bit unlikely to me, to be honest Mavericks. with you. The Mavericks are super good. I love what they did at the trade deadline, adding PJ Washington and Daniel Gafford. They have Luka Doncic, who's creating sixty points a game, but they don't play much defense and they don't have much depth. Sack? They're not there this year. They've taken a big step back. And New Orleans feels a year away to me still. Pelicans? A year away to me I'm still. Trying to think who I'm forgetting. 
The Lakers and the Warriors well, the could Lakers still be and in the this Warriors thing, man. and the Suns. That's what I'm talking about. I mean, but, but those are the teams, right? Uh, what, what I'm demonstrating is that you can poke a hole in every single team in the Western Conference. If I had to choose today, if the playoffs started today, I would say the Clippers would come out of that. Thing. I knew I was forgetting someone. Oklahoma City. Oklahoma City is right now second in the conference, but that's a team that has absolutely no muscle memory in the playoffs. That might be a good thing, but usually it's most definitely not a good thing. I think that's another team kind of like the Knicks, kind of like Minnesota, where when we get to these series, they're not going to be the favorite despite having home court advantage. You want to look at the tenth. You want to look at the difference between the two conferences. Right now, the tenth seed, the last play-in spot in the West is occupied by the Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry and their two games over 500. The 10th spot in the East is occupied by the Atlanta Hawks. They're seven games under 500. The depth in the West is ridiculous this year. And the depth in the East stinks. Stinks. Even the, the, the top of the East stinks. I mean, there is such an enormous gulf between the two. We're going back to where it was like 10 years ago when we thought we had sort of ran away from that. And then finally... Number one. At number one, the number one person under the most pressure, I put Doc Rivers. Let's lose the music and talk about this a second. Look, Doc made a fascinating decision. I don't know Doc well. I know him a little. I like him. I've always liked him. And what he decided to do leaving ABC and ESPN to go coach a team didn't change my opinion of him at all. Many people in his position would have done the same. But it did invite an enormous amount of scrutiny. And now he goes there, and they have immediately looked awful. They're 3-7 and seven since he got there. Now, how much of that is his fault? I don't know. But at the end of the day, if this thing doesn't get much better, if this team, with the collaboration of Giannis and Dame, doesn't start looking much, much better, I don't think Giannis gets the blame. Maybe Dame gets some of the blame because he has not been playing particularly well. But I think it's going to fall on Doc. I think it is going to fall on the coach. I think that's where most of the blame is going to go, and that's why I put him at number one on this list. I think the way that Doc kind of swooped in and took this job midseason really rubbed a lot of people the wrong way, and I'll be honest with you, um, myself included, and I think what he's done is create a scenario in which they have a really, really high bar to clear now. I I don't know that they have to get to the finals for fans to be satisfied there, but I think if they're not playing the Celtics in the conference finals, Doc is going to wear a lot of it, especially when you consider that Doc Rivers' teams have blown 12 leads in his career. There are 12 series in Doc's playoff career in which his team has had a lead and gone on to lose it. Yeah. No, his history is well documented, and and that's why I'm saying it again. I believe he is the person with the most pressure. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Looking for a career path with flexibility and great paying benefits? Go to Progressive.com slash careers and apply online today. Second of the day, Hembo Trivia Go. So Dan Marino was the first quarterback in NFL history to throw 40 touchdown passes in a season. He actually did it twice. Who was the second? The second quarterback in NFL history to throw 40 touchdown passes in a season. The answer's next, ESPN Radio. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. 
Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. Greeny, the podcast. All right, Sneaky Hembo with us here. We've got the answer in 30 seconds on Greeny, presented by Progressive Insurance. In those 30 seconds, I'll remind you that ESPN Bet is now live. As the official sports book of ESPN, ESPN Bet is the only place to find daily exclusives and offers with your favorite ESPN personalities and shows. Sign up today. New users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Find all your favorite markets and bets like in game wagering. Crossport parlays, teasers, and all the props you can handle. At ESPN Bet, download today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Dan Marino was the first quarterback in NFL history to throw 40 touchdown passes in a season. He did it twice. My question for you is. Who was the second, the second quarterback to throw 40 touchdowns in a season? All right, the guesses abound. Let's go around the horn. Clueless Nick, who has now become hashtag Nick, who has now risen to the level of, like, coordinating producer Nick. I mean, you're pretty much the highest um, level of the food chain. What is your guess? Uh, No idea. I'm going to throw a guess out there. That's the idea? Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner. No idea. Okay, That's, that's a good guess. Cam? I'm also going with Kurt Warner. That's two Kurt Warners. What did Brandon and Pineapple Jack say? They're both going with Kurt Warner. Brandon is saying he's on the fence with Dante Culpepper. So I I have a recollection of Drew Brees setting a bunch of records. I want to say, but I think his was, I think he was the first quarterback to throw for 5,000 yards. And I think he also broke a record, if I'm remembering this correctly, that had been held by Johnny Unitas for most consecutive games with a touchdown or something like that. Like, Breeze broke a bunch of records, but I don't think it was this one. Warner is a very good one, and, and of course he had that monster season. The only reason I'm not thinking of him is because I have done, because of our books, I've done so much work on and, and written about that team 
that I feel like if that had been the case, I would have written it down. I would have remembered it. I would have remembered reading it recently. So the other name that came to my mind is Peyton Manning, who just threw a lot of touchdowns and had some monster seasons and became an MVP. I had Manning and Brett Favre written down. Favre, or, I, I, everyone else is going with Warner. I'm, I'm choosing between Favre. I'm going to go with Peyton Manning. The correct answer is Kurt Warner. Yeah. All right. So they all got it right and not me. Well, so Kurt Damn Warner it. threw 41 touchdown passes in 1999. The answer would have been, would have been Brett Favre. He threw 39 in 1996. Peyton Manning is the answer to the third quarterback to do this. He did it for the first time in 2004. All right. So... That's these guys. So is Nick now 5-1? and one? Nick is 5-1. and one. Nick also got the question correct when Evan was here, and we didn't count those scores since you weren't here, Greeny. So Nick is 6-1 and one over the last week or so. So pretty impressive showing. That, I don't think Bubba needs to come back. Neither do and I. I think Nick has slid very comfortably into his no seat. No kidding. That's a remarkable performance. I mean, this is like, this is like the, the, the perfect game. That's the best record anyone's ever had in a single week, I'm sure. Oh, for sure. No he's, like, he's like the... the who am I trying to say? Don't he's, say it. I'd say I'm the Mahomes of. Oh, I thought, you were, okay. <laughs> I thought you were going to say he was Dan Graziano. At which point oh I no, no, not that. Room. I was going to say he's like the Dwight Gooden of nineteen circa nineteen eighty four of this. Right? He's, he's on a Jeremy Lin run right now. Ron Guidry circa nineteen seventy eight. Will Chamberlain in nineteen sixty two. Yeah, just unstoppable. And he's he is that actually in a variety of ways. Okay, uh, <laughs> on, on we go. Greedy with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Bundle home and auto and save. Visit Progressive. All right. I'm sorry, what? What? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? Okay, so uh, the reason you were bringing up Marino, and it's a nicely, uh, Hembo loves to tie these things to things, is we have some interesting sound bites of legendary players talking about what they think they would do in the game today. Now, that's never generally been one of my favorite things I could live without, oh, the game today is so much this, that, or the other. But I think in these cases, they both apply. So I'm going to play them both for you. The first is the big podcast with Shaq. So Shaquille O'Neal and Allen Iverson, two of the, you don't need me to tell you who they are, legendary players of their time and any time, talking about how much they think Iverson would average if he was playing today. You played an era where we were allowed to touch people up. Hand checking up the court. Somebody asked me this other day, so I'm going to ask you. What would you average in the game today? That's Ain't that too my own? Yeah, that's okay. Okay, if if I averaged 30, I lost the scoring title to Kobe the year he averaged 35. I averaged 33. I'm just thinking, like, if I was to play in this area where it's wide open, if I can average 33 in a season, I'm going to just take it up to 43. I know 10 points more. I agree with that. Got to be. So the, the question is, could Allen Iverson in today's game, playing in the rules with which they play today, the freedom of motion, no hand-checking, and all the rest of that, would he average 40 points a game? 40 is a lot. So when I, adju- I actually did the math here, I'm sure you're not surprised to hear me say so. His highest season at 33 was 06. That's a, le- a season in which the league average was 90.5 possessions per game. So if I just adjust for the speed at which we play today, that number goes to 36. What I can't say is how much of a difference it would make with the rules changes. That's impossible to say. 
Would he draw more fouls? Very likely. He would. Allen Iverson in today's game would shoot free throws on every possession of the game. He would. What is the record for most times going to the line? He would break that record. Allen Iverson got fouled by today's standards every time he touched the ball. Yeah. So Allen Iverson averaged uh, a tick under nine free throw attempts a game, which just for some context is just a little bit more than what James Harden. Does I think you're right. I think he'd average 10, 10 and a half, 11 free throws a game. So, so there's two more points right there. I could see him averaging like 37 or 38. But 40 is rarefied air that I don't think anyone would be able to touch. Aside Taking from Will Wilt. Chamberlain out of the equation, uh-huh. what is the highest scoring average any player's ever had in a season? I want to say that it's Michael Jordan, the year he averaged 37. Like yeah, I'll pull that up for you, though, now. Just give me a sec to pull up that leaderboard. Like, like the all-time leading scorers in a season are going to be Wilt, 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 Michael Jordan. Wilt right? has each of the top. Okay, so, okay. I forgot about this. Wilt has each of the top six. Seventh is James Harden at 36.1 in 2019. Yeah. I remember, okay, so uh, there was a year in which uh, Rick Barry averaged 35.6, Kobe averaged 35.4, and Michael averaged exactly 35 in 1988. That was his highest season. So those are the highest seasons. Yeah, Iverson is going to be considerable. So uh, Allen Iverson's highest season ranks 23rd in a season in NBA history at a time in which both the pace was suppressed and the free throws were lower because of the contact rules and stuff. And, and the three-point shot wasn't nearly as prevalent as it is today. Mm-hmm. Look, Michael Jordan, I've said this, so Michael Jordan, I believe, would have averaged because he would have played like this. I believe Michael Jordan would have averaged 40 points a game if he were playing today. You know, we did the math on he a would down make threes on this. He would make threes. What, what did he average in his career? One three-point shot per game? Yes, it was very few. So for his whole career, um, Michael half averaged... Half a three-point shot per yeah. game he averaged. Uh, he averaged... Uh, no, he, yeah, one, like, half of a make on 1.7 attempts. Right. So if you look at his twos, obviously, and you extrapolate that out, it would be much fewer. And so 40 is actually probably in play for him. I want to say during COVID, we, we did the math on this for a down barrel. I'm going to find that script because we did that... We did that mathematically and came to a number that was above 40. I think Michael Jordan would score 40 points a game if the game was played the way it is played today. Now, the only people that I think have more of a right to say, oh, if only I could play the way the game is played today, then the NBA stars are the quarterbacks. If you're Troy Aikman, go back and watch. If you're too young to remember, go back and watch the flat-out beating that quarterbacks used to take in the National Football League. Go watch the hits they used to put on Joe Montana, on John Elway, on Dan Marino, on Troy Aikman, on all of the best quarterbacks. These guys got obliterated regularly. These days, there was probably a hit, I'm going to say once per quarter, in the old NFL, that would draw a flag today. Once per quarter, I would say those quarterbacks would get hit an average of four times per game in a way that today would draw a flag. And I I don't even think that's an exaggeration. When you then add to it all the other rules changes, you can't touch a receiver here, you can't touch a receiver there, no receiver is terrified of getting his head taken off, running across the middle of the field. I think the legendary quarterbacks feel as though they could do so much more now than they used to. And the aforementioned Dan Marino, 
during Super Week was on with McAfee, and he said he could throw for 6,000 yards today. You know, the rules have changed and all that. The one thing I would say is we were kind of a little bit ahead of our time going for the 5,000 yards, having Duper and Clayton and yeah. White Stevenson as, you know, our center. And we had some really good players. And do I now think we could throw for 6,000 yards? You know, I don't have to prove it. If you don't have to prove it, you can say it. So, yeah, 6,000 yeah. yards. <laughs> So, I mean, I think he could. I, I think I don't blame any of those quarterbacks for being jealous. And, and I think I, you can sometimes hear it in Aikman's voice. Like, if you listen to Troy do a game, every once in a while they'll throw a flag for a hit on a quarterback. And you can hear Troy saying, yeah, I get it. <laughs> you know, I, I, I get it. I get that that's a penalty. But just go back and watch it. I mean, you know, sometimes I show old clips of the NFL to my son, Stephen, who's 21 years old, and he can't believe it. He's like, Dad, you used to be able allowed to do that? Go look up what Ryan Clark once did to Wes Welker. Just, just go on YouTube and just type into YouTube, Ryan Clark, Wes Welker. The, Ryan Clark would have, and, and Ryan Clark is one of my dearest friends, one of my, genuinely one of my favorite people on planet Earth. But every time I watch that, I become a little afraid, a little afraid of the time I spend around him. I mean, Ryan Clark, that's one of the huge, that's what hits looked like back then. Football was an entirely different game. So I don't blame football players who play then for looking at what the game looks like now and saying, boy, what I could do if I was protected the way these guys are protected. I think Marino getting to 6,000 yards would be likelier than Allen Iverson getting to 40 points a game. You reminded me of this. He threw for 5,084 yards in 84. That was the first 5,000-yard season ever, and it took – 24 years for another quarterback to do it. It was Drew Brees, as you remembered. That was 2008. The all-time record for um, yards per game in a season is 342. That was Peyton Manning in 2013, which over a 17-game season is 58-19. So I think you could definitely dream up a scenario in today's pass-happy climate and quarterback-friendly climate in which that version of Dan Marino could approach 6,000 yards. If anybody was going to do it, it would be Dan Marino who would do it. Greeny with you. Uh, tune into college basketball action tomorrow. Arizona-Washington presented by Robin Hood. Coverage 1.30 Eastern on most of these ESPN radio stations. I found the down barrel. We got okay. to a place where when you adjust for the three-point additions and the pace additions in the game, we got to a place where Michael Jordan would average 45 points a game in his prime. We did that in a down barrel back in 2020. Which sounds 45 points a game. Can, can you read through a little bit of it for the audience? Because they're thinking, how, where are we getting those numbers? So three-point attempts have increased by 167% league-wide. Since the last year Jordan played in Chicago, he made 19 threes in 164 games across 1986 to 88. So what we basically did was account for the addition of the three-point shot and then just the natural progression of possessions, which are obviously much more in today's game. And when you compare his scoring average then, which was 35 a game in a suppressed climate to today's, you basically get 10 more points per game. And we're not even taking into account with that the foul calls, right? We're not even taking into account the hand-checking, all, like the Jordan rules, what the Pistons did to him. Every one of those players would have gotten a flagrant two in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Bill Beer, Dennis Rodman, and Rick Mahorn would never have seen halftime in any of the games against them. Frankly, neither would Isaiah. So the point is, I think Michael Jordan, I think that's reasonable. Michael Jordan would have averaged at least 40 points a game if he played in his prime today. That's amazing to think about. Although I don't really like the discourse that surrounds the idea of, I don't love the idea of, it, we're, we were better then than we are now. That, that's the, and we get so much of that from 
players of yesteryear, and I think that turns me off. But what Allen Iverson and Dan Marino both said, I actually think we're, we're somewhat fair. I really do. Well, everyone would put up bigger numbers now. Everyone is going to put up bigger numbers in the context of where the game is being played than the way it used to be, which is why the only way to judge players is in comparison to their peers, not a comparison to each other. And lastly, I need to correct myself because there was a year in which Michael averaged 37 a game. That was fifth on the list. So of, of the top six, one, two, three, four, and six are Wilt, number five and number 10 or Michael, just to make sure I get that right. And I mean, he was the best, and there isn't, there isn't any question about it. And again, if he were playing today, he would average 45 points a game. I don't think that's unreasonable at all. Uh, meanwhile, I'm ready to go right now. Green Light, green light. with Greeny. I've been following this thing, and you got to explain to me what is going on with these baseball uniforms. I want you to explain this to me like I'm a child. I'm reading that all the different players and the Players Association is involved in this right now. They have new uniforms. They don't like them. They don't like the fit. And in one case now, or in some cases, they're, I'm being told that the pants are see-through. And Major League Baseball players say that, that, that there are see-through pants, and this is adding to the litany of concerns they have with new uniforms. Some of them are worried about supply chain problems. At least one player told Tony Clark he might have to go to Dick's Sporting Goods to get extra pants. I love that. What the hell is going on Yeah, here? so what you need to know is that Nike and Fanatics have partnered to create Major League Baseball's uniforms this spring, and everyone hates them. And the biggest reason why everyone hates them is because the pants are see-through. Completely see-through. There are pictures fans online. hate them or players hate them. When you say everyone hates them, fans hate them too. Well, I think it's incredibly obvious that when you can see a player's undergarments, or in some cases worse than their undergarments, things have gone awry. You can go online, Greeny, and see things <laughs> um, hidden—not hidden—revealed uh, because the pants are so see-through that you don't want to see. Yeah, you don't want to go to an MLB game and think you showed up at uh, Moulin Rouge or something. Correct. There so are many butts. Some of these pants, Greeny are no less revealing than the butts that were dancing on that stage at Moulin Rouge over the weekend. I'm going to read you real quotes, real quotes from the MLBPA lead, Tony Clark. He said, a lot of the rhetoric is confirmation that the pants are see-through. It's been an ongoing conversation where each day has yielded something new that doesn't seem to make as much sense as you would like it. The universal concern is the pant. The pant. The universal concern is the pant, which is my favorite quote, maybe of all time. Um, we, this is most definitely a first world problem, but I played baseball my whole life. This is something that you know growing up. You try on the baseball pants because you don't want everyone to see what's underneath them. In the case of Major League Baseball players playing in actual games, you are seeing some stuff that you don't necessarily want to see, Greeny, because not all these guys wear, cu- wear cups, wear protective cups, if you, if you catch my drift. What say you? Well, I'm looking at the pictures here, and I feel like I'm not seeing what you're referring to. I, I, I'm seeing, like, uniforms. I understand they're not being popular. I don't see any of them that I, I, I would describe as see-through. So here's what I'm going to do, because I'm not going to be able to send these to our TV crew, because this is a family-friendly show, but during the break, I'm going to show you. But just show me now. A couple pictures. Can't you just show me now? I, I have to pull them up. On my phone, it will take a minute or two because they're practically soft pornography and it's not that easy to find. But I saw some things this morning that I'd much prefer not to have to see that were shown to me by Evan Cohen, who did this topic on their show earlier. And I'm going to say, if I were the wives or girlfriends or significant others of these players, I would be not too happy about the fact that my husband is out there basically playing pantless. 
This is an existential crisis if I've ever seen one. No, Crazy need, week for you, Hembo. Big I need time. to find better okay. pictures than you the ones it. I've seen so far. I will be the judge of this. Who you got is on the way. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. Greeny, the podcast. Previously on Greeny. No man looks good in briefs. Zero, none. That's not true. Yes, it is. It is not true. Name a man who looks good in briefs. I look good in briefs. No, you don't. Yes, I, I do. You I will, think you do, no. but you don't. I look good in briefs. Get I wear briefs as well. Phone. You yeah. wear briefs? Yes. That's a terrible decision. They're comfortable. No, they're not comfortable. <laughs> and I bet Cam looks good in briefs, too. Thank you, Hembo. I guarantee you, my Cam. Colleague. My Cam good friend, Hembo. Cam, colleague. take your pants off right now. <laughs> no. This is Greeny. Yes, I saw the pictures during the break. Uh, The pantlessness is an issue. Uh, I'm I'm particularly concerned for a rainy day. That strikes me as the real issue. You have a pair of those white pants on and you get a little rain on you. We we can have some issues. So I can see that's going to have to be addressed. I appreciate them going for comfort. And many people are willing to sacrifice style for comfort. But at some point, it is still a family event. <laughs> and um, it is, uh, yeah, there are, there are just a few too many things on display. Revealing. Yeah, it's a little too revealing. So anyway, there's that. Uh, we have uh, no Bubba today, but that means Cam is going to try his best to step into his place as we bring you our traditional Friday finish. Life is a series of choices. Who you got? Make a decision. Say it! Say it! All right, I'll say it. Who you got? Who you got usually means Bubba with a series of hard-hitting, fascinating, provocative questions. In this case, Cam steps into the fray. Cam, let's go. Yeah, no Bubba. We're doing great with trivia. I'm doing who you got. Who needs him? Mm. Tomorrow night on ABC at 8.30 and with coverage starting at 8 Eastern on ESPN Radio, we have Celtics at Knicks at the Garden. Who you got? What do you think? Can the Knicks knock off Boston and prove they are really a team to be taken seriously? Not this weekend. I think the Knicks are still a little bit too banged up and the Celtics are going to come out of the gates hot after the All-Star break. The Knicks will build towards something big. 
But now is not the time to catch Boston. When is Julius Randle coming back? It's a huge question and one for which they've been a little bit coy about revealing detail. Well, I mean, for, he was going to rest it, rest it, rest it, and now all of a sudden I'm hearing the word surgery. Ooh. Tim Legler told me a very disturbing story that when he was playing with Chris Webber, Webber had a similar thing, a shoulder. They kept trying to rest it, give it treatment, rest it, give it treatment, and it kept popping out to where he eventually had to have surgery that cost him a season. So hopefully that's not where they wind up getting with Randall. I agree with you. I will take the Celtics tomorrow night. We'll make that today's KOD. Hashtag KOD. The Kiss of Death. The Kiss of Death brought to you by ESPN Bet, the official sports book of ESPN. Speaking of which, by the way, I will have a green list for tonight's Bucks game that will include Dame Lillard putting up some numbers green list? tonight. Uh, uh, did I say green list? Sorry. Uh, a seeing green special. On ESPN Bet. A boost. Not a boy. If you go to ESPN Bet, you will see my boost. It's called Seeing Green, and it involves what um, what Dame Lillard and the Bucks are able to do tonight. That'll be up on the app at some point pretty soon. All right, what else you got? All right, another sports one. The college football playoff approved the 5-plus-7 format for the new 12-team playoff, and they're also discussing further expansion to 14 or 16 teams. Obviously, that's a big conversation, but just initial thoughts. Is that too many? Who you got? I do fear it's too many. So I played golf while I was down in Florida with a buddy of mine who is from Columbus, Ohio, and a lifelong diehard fan of Ohio State. And I think he's had season tickets since before he was born. Like, he, one of these lives and dies with it kind of guys. And he was asking me, Greeny, like, is this, with the new format, is this going to change, you know, the fact that the Ohio State-Michigan game, or not that one, because he, he specifically didn't use that, but is it going to mean that all of a sudden, like, I'm not going to be watching Alabama-Auburn because it doesn't mean the loser is out? Is it not going to be as interesting? And I said, well, maybe it takes a little bit away from the games at the very top, but here's what it does. It brings more into the party. So all of a sudden, a game that Penn State is playing or Wisconsin is playing or knock on wood, Northwestern is playing late in the season, might actually be for a spot down there. A a game that Tennessee is playing, Ole Miss is playing, um, whoever else you might want to include in this conversation. So maybe you have fewer games that feel like they are for all the marbles, but you will have a lot more games that feel like they are for meaningful marbles than you've previously had. Does that make sense? It does. Even the all the marble games will still matter because seeding is going to be enormous because each of the top four seeds nets a buy. I happen to think the five plus seven is perfect. My favorite thing about it is you're going to get four on-campus playoff games on a Friday night, and then you'll, you'll do you'll get one on a Friday night and then three on a Saturday. That is going to be a magnificent weekend of football with more like on-campus energy than you've ever seen before because we've ever seen anything on campus quite like this. Can I ask a stupid question? Please. Is the Pac-12 one of these conferences? So the, yeah. So the way that the 5 plus 7 works is that the five highest-ranked conference champions are guaranteed a spot, but what it will probably be is... The, you know, the big four, if you will, as the four teams with the bye, and then a group of five winner as the 12 seed playing the number five team in the country, which is also, by the way, the highest seed that a Notre Dame can get because they're not in a conference. I don't understand how you can have a conference with two teams. They're going to play a super weird schedule. And, and one of them is going to be the champion? 
Well, they're not, I mean, if they're higher ranked than a group of five, but the reason they did the five plus seven is no, I mean, is, are they going to name a champion? Is, will the Pac-12 have a champion? They're not going to, it's not like every year it's going to be one of those two teams that gets in. No, that's not how it's going to no, work. No, I get that, but forgetting even getting in. Like, are they going to be the Pac-12 champion? They're just going to poach a bunch of schools from other conferences, obviously, but the reason they did the five plus seven and not the six plus six is because the Pac-12 is not a viable conference. Okay, fair enough. Do I like it? I don't love it, but I'm living with it and I understand the benefits of it. Can't next all right let's have some fun tomorrow national tortilla chip day who you got as your favorite kind of chip not a chip guy are you a chip guy i like a chip i like a chip more than a sweet dessert i'll do a tortilla chip and like a spicy green like salsa verde as a as a snack of mine so i would say a tortilla chip would be my favorite i like a pita chip you know those Stacy's pita chips? Of course, and like hummus? I think those are very good with hummus. That's excellent. That would be a snack. I do. I'm not a big snacker, but that would be my chip of choice. 25 years ago, Eminem released his first major record album, the Slim Shady LP. Who you got as your favorite Eminem song? I go back and forth on this a lot. Do you? Can you name an Eminem song? I'm vaguely familiar with his game. He his sings game. a song called My Name Is. Does right. He, yes, right. I like that song. Okay. That's good. I don't. I can't off the top oh, of my head. Think my of name a, is who? Mm-hmm. My name is the, the, the uh, uh, uh. Yeah. Slim Shady. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with that. Th- yeah. that song. That that is correct. Uh, my favorite uh, of his songs is the one that he does with Rihanna. Love the way you lie. That is a good one. That is an intense, unbelievable song. Sort of reminiscent of his of his the, the song Stan. That have you ever heard people say that I'm a Stan of something? Yes, uh, okay. your daughter's a Stan of mine. You once told me she did say that she's a Hembo Stan. That fra- that term comes from a, an Eminem song. Oh, that's the origin. Stan is like a super fan of his, and there's a story that tells. There's a song that tells the story of what happens to Stan. And spoiler alert: it doesn't end well. Mm. <laughs> um, but that is where that comes from. And that's another great song. I love all of Eminem's songs, but if I had to pick one right now, I'd pick Love the Way He was in the news a lot lately because of the the Lions. He was in like the... He's been in the news a lot for a very long time (laughs) for a variety of reasons. All right, this was a really fun week. Nick, will you be back on Monday? I will not. What can we do to make that happen? We got Bubba. We're going to trade Nick for Bubba straight up. I'm calling Liam. Plus a second round pick. See you Monday. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcasts.